The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now your host, Kevin Hallinan. Welcome back to Winning Business Radio. I am your host, Kevin Hallinan. Glad to have everyone here again today. The mission of this show is to offer insights and advice to help listeners really avoid the mistakes of others, right? To learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos, to be challenged and certainly and hopefully to be inspired by the successes of others. You know, it's interesting, virtually every successful person I've ever had a chance to talk with has had some form of failure in their lives or careers. So as I always say, while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Donald Noakes, president and co-founder of Net Synergy. Don is the president and of, of Net Synergy, and that's an information technology consulting firm based in Cranston, Rhode Island. Here's his bio. Net Synergy provides complete IT services for professional services businesses in southeastern Mass and Rhode Island. In essence, NetSynergy becomes the IT department for CPA firms, law firms, wealth management companies, and healthcare providers. From their clients' individual keyboard, uh, user keyboards to the cloud, their team of 35 engineers and technicians provides fully secure, comprehensive support services for a fixed monthly fee. After the building material distributor that he worked for installed a computer system, Don jumped full-time into the computer industry, working at a Radio Shack computer store at University Mall in Burlington, Vermont, and that was in 1980. After promotions to larger stores in Springfield, Massachusetts, and then East Providence, Rhode Island, Don became the district and then Northeast Regional Manager for Tandy Corporation. After the business model for computer sales moved from small business specialty stores to 40,000 square foot commodity locations, Don transitioned to an entrepreneurial role for two IT support startups before deciding in 2003 to team up with a colleague and to start their own firm. Since 03, the IT industry has gone through many changes requiring flexibility and the ability to, to adapt. His team implemented a new business model to stay ahead of the changing industry in 2014. Don serves on the corporate board of Blue, Cl Blue, yeah, I can talk, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island, has served on the board of the Rhode Island Business Group on Health for the past 14 years, spending seven years as board president, is a member of U.S. Congressman from Rhode Island Jim Langevin's Cybersecurity Task Force, and is a longstanding member of New England Institute of Technology's Curriculum Advisory Board. He serves his local community as a member of the Rehoboth Lions Club, leading the club as president up until June of this year. Don and his wife of 41 years reside in a now empty nest in Rehoboth, Massachusetts, where they enjoy occasional visits. I like that from their four children and three grandchildren. Don, welcome to Winning Business Radio. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you making some time. Hey, it looks like, especially with the, um, you know, post high school, post college, but that you moved around a bit. I'm not sure if you did as a kid, but where'd you grow up? 
Actually, uh, we grew up in a couple of places. First started off in Springfield, Mass., but moved very young to Lake George, New York. Oh, uh, sure. Interesting little town. They have uh, three 3,000 people in the winter and 70,000 people there in the summer. Um, lived there wow. for a little while until uh, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. But the, really, the, the, where I really grew up was in Brattleboro, Vermont. Yeah. From, uh, went right through high school there, from third grade through high school. I love Vermont. Uh, my sister lives in Peterborough. One of my sisters lives in Peterborough, New Hampshire, not sure. too far away from, from that. So tell us about your four kids, they, where they live and what they do. Yes, Jared, uh, my son Jared is a lawyer. He uh, w- lives in uh, Dedham, Mass. He's a graduate mm-hmm. of UMass Amherst and then of New England School of Law. Uh, he actually works in the, in the M&A uh, industry mm-hmm. and for a firm. That it's known as Willis Towers Watson. It's a large sure. forty thousand employee sure. company. It's one of the largest in the country, company. I believe, right? It is, and uh, they've just been uh, acquired by Aon. So I don't oh, know wow, how yeah. big they're going to be when those two firms get together. Wow! Uh, but that's something that's going on now. Probably take a year. So he's been there. His wife is actually the senior HRVP at uh, Grubhub, and they oh, live yeah. in Dedham, Massachusetts, with my two-year-old grandson. And uh, then I have Kimmy. Kimmy lives on Long Island, and after graduating from George Mason University, she had a great career in communications in Manhattan. She was with a company called Screen Vision, and she did CBS television uh, primetime advertising for a while. But she left work, the work world, about two years ago and is raising her two children. Uh, my granddaughter is now three, and my grandson is a year and a half. Nice. So, uh, and her spouse is the VP of Quality Center of Excellence at Estee Lauder companies. Mm-hmm. So then I have Derek. Uh, so it kind of just the way we ordered them. I wanted a boy, girl, a boy, girl. So <laughs> that's the way we, we did it too, him, Don. We must <laughs> have read the same in, book. We got them in that order. So Derek came home from third grade one day and said he was going to be a teacher. And after he graduated from UMass Amherst, following his brother there, he recently completed his master's at Salem State. And he's the high school English teacher at Masconomic Regional High School in Topsfield. Oh, cool. I don't know what it would have been like for me to pick a career at eight years old and decide that that's what I'm <laughs> going to do uh, for my whole life. I didn't think I knew when I first entered uh, college. Yeah. And then my finally, my young girl, Kelsey, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in just three years from Southern New Hampshire wow. University. And then she moved to Seoul for a year came back and worked for me at Nets Energy for four years while nice. she completed her MBA in data analytics at Bryant. And now she's the lead associate uh, implementation consulting at, guess where, Willis Towers Watson, oh, just like her big brother. Funny. She uh, It's just uh, coincidental that they both happen to be there because they're in separate parts of the company. Right. But she goes with her fiance up in Walpole, Mass., and the wedding is set for uh, next August. Nice. Was and that he, postponed, or was it always next? No, that was uh, it was on track. So oh, we hope good. it doesn't have to get postponed. Yeah. I guess the yeah. time will tell, right? Uh, but he's a high school uh, English. I'm uh, actually he's a high school science teacher. In what town? In uh, in uh, actually he's a science teacher in Dedham. Oh, in Dedham. Uh, but they live yeah, in Walpole. Okay. Yep. So it's funny. My son lives in Dedham. He's a teacher there. It's kind of all all together. That's great. That's great. So it's interesting you said the occasional visits. <laughs> <laughs> Never enough. Because there, you'd never enough. But it's also nice to have some peace and quiet, right? <laughs> it is. But you know, you, you have the six-bedroom home, and you're like, you yeah. know, why are we still here? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Big empty nest. <laughs> All right. So back to your early life. Uh, did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I actually have uh, five brothers and sisters. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah. where are you in the order? I am second to the youngest. Second so to I youngest. have a little sister and yeah. three older sisters, and then a big brother who's 11 years older than I am. So it was really interesting time growing up. 
Uh, my brother went off to Vietnam, and uh, I was very young. So mm. I always say I met my brother when I was 12, <laughs> because after he'd gotten out of the service, I had yeah. got him when I was six or seven. And then, yeah. you know, so don't really remember that much back then. So, Well, thank him for his service, for sure. Uh, yeah, he's actually fighting some kind of Agent Orange disease from uh, being a oh, veteran over yeah. there. So yeah, wow. it's uh, been a long fight, struggle for him. Mm. But yeah, he's uh, he's the they they Mike my siblings taught me a great deal. They all pretty much live in that Brattleboro area still. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm the only one that sort of uh, flew the coop, if you will. <laughs> Spread your wings, right? So, right. what were your early interests? If you didn't know at the at you know at, at eight that you wanted to uh, found co-found and run an IT managed services firm, what were you thinking those day in those days when you were a kid? Well, when I was very young, I guess I really didn't think much of it. I knew one thing. We we grew up, uh, you know, my dad was not a very attentive dad. He really preferred uh, alcohol to to, uh, to his fatherly duties. But yeah. uh, so um, by the time when we moved from uh, Lake George, it was due to a foreclosure. And so we ended up uh, moving in with my uncle and he mm-hmm. ran a business. And so right from there, from seven years old, watching mm-hmm. him uh, creating this business, he founded it. He uh uh, he just grew it to a very successful business, and I ended up working for him uh, from the time I was 15 till the time I was about 23. Wow! Uh, and uh, I just business was it. I, I really wanted to be a, in business, and so I had decided that that was what I wanted to do. Nice. What kind of business did he have? He had a, a he had something that doesn't exist today. He had mm. a building materials distributor because back in the day, now this was probably 64. He started his business 63, 64. And um, there were every town had a home center or a hardware store mm-hmm. and uh, lumber yards. And what he would do is he would supply them with uh, products from different manufacturers, Owens Corning for the insulation, you know, mm-hmm. shingles, that sort of thing. Yeah. So he had a huge warehouse facility. Uh, he would buy direct from the manufacturers and then uh, ship them off to these home centers and lumber yards around New England. And um, but now it's what we call disintermediation, right? You no longer have that distributor in the middle. You have Home Depot that right. buys direct from the manufacturer right. and Lowe's. So it's been disintermediated. And businesses like um, DJ Incorporated, Building Materials, uh, this this distributor that worked for many years and did very well throughout New England, they ended up with four locations, of which I ran one for him. Um, you know, it was, uh, it just, it's a kind of a, a sad to see that all disintegrate, you know, yeah. the, the local hardware stores go away in favor of the big box. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Change is inevitable, right? But it was really fun watching him work and I learned a great deal from him. Give me one, I don't know, I'll tax your brain for a second. What's one lesson you recall? Well, first of all, the hard work. I, I do remember him. Just he had a he had a screened-in porch, and my cousin and I would be out playing in the backyard because we yeah. were living in the cottage next to in the back of his house, and uh, and just seeing him out there with a adding machine with the with the tape. And the, the, yeah. you know, for those of us of that age, you understand what I'm talking about with the with the tape uh, going by. And he was just working constantly, and I thought, wow, you you really has to be, success doesn't come. That's what I learned. Success doesn't come from, you know, occasionally working on something. He was devoted to his business, and I could yeah. see that from the long hours he worked. But the other thing was relationship building. His relationships that he built with his clients were incredible. It was not just a, 
uh, you know, he would invite them to fishing camps. They would spend the weekend mm. fishing at Western wow. Trout Club up in Western Vermont. Mm-hmm. He would, uh, he had uh, uh, these clam bakes. He would bring people into, in the center of Vermont, or in Brattleboro, Vermont, they're in a lot of seafood. And so yeah. he would bring lobsters in and, and he'd have these clam bakes and he would bring his clients in for a day of, of just an afternoon of fun and, and uh, seafood. And, I, and he really built on those relationships with his clients. They were his friends. That's a great lesson right there. So I want to talk about your kind of career path. Um, you went to, let's see, if, if I, so after the distribution company, you went to Radio Shack? I did. Uh, okay. What happened okay. was, yeah. Yes, he, 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 my uncle bought a computer system, and uh, we were doing everything by hand. We were writing up invoices. We, were, mm-hmm. we had a, this huge file cabinet with 40,000 four by six cards on it. And each card represented a SKU, a, you know, a stock keeping unit that we had in the, in the facility, in the warehouse. And so uh, as someone would buy or we would re- receive a delivery, we'd have to go to the, find the right card. Wow. Uh, right in plus five, because we just got a delivery or minus two, because we just sold some. And uh, so during that period, as I was running this Burlington, Vermont branch for him, uh, I, I basically, uh, we brought in the computer. I didn't have any say in it. I didn't want this newfangled thing yeah. that I had to add to my Big workload. Big beast, too, probably. Yeah. Oh, it was. And so, uh, but he brought it in and said, okay, I did not trust it. I said, we're going to keep the manual records in my branch for a, a solid year before we turn it all over to this computer system, this yeah. newfangled thing. And when I saw Flash in the what pan, automation though. does, yeah, yeah, it's going to go away. <laughs> it's a fad. Uh, but when I saw the... Uh, it was just remarkable what it did for error reduction, what it did yeah. for customer service. Well, that was my first thought. When you're handwriting plus five, minus two, whatever, that's fraught with it. It seems to be fraught with errors. Does it? You're, and sometimes you just have the wrong card. That's the five-pound box of eight-penny common nails, not the 50-pound boxes oh, of eight-penny yeah. common So there was a lot of, uh, of issues. And uh, so p- customers would call and say, hey, do you have 10 of these? Well, hang on a minute. We got to go through the handwritten invoices, see if mm-hmm. we'd sold any yet. Mm-hmm. Then go out in the warehouse and look, right? Uh, and so it was really not a very good customer service. They had to wait on hold for a long time to find out if we had an item. So when I again, it just transformed my my predetermined ideas about computers and the fads that I thought they were. Yeah. And I just saw the tremendous um, productivity improvement that you got when you automated things, and that just really got me sparked. So I ended up uh, leaving there in 1980 now. Uh, mm-hmm. Interest rates are 16 and a half percent. There's not a lot of building going on in, in, in America. Um, and so uh, he said, okay, we're going to take a 10% pay cut. So I took my pay cut, uh, but I said, I'm going to augment my salary. And I went to work uh, part-time nights at Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. And, about and the describe, time- I mean, I used to buy tons of stuff, my brother and I and my dad too. They were into we were into ham radio, and my and we were always doing electronic projects and stuff. Mostly my brother, but you know I tailed along, tagged along. We were at Radio Shack often, audio cables, whatever. So describe Radio Shack for those that aren't familiar. Oh, okay. It's again, you know, it was it was an institution. I mean, back yeah, when Jimmy Carter was president, more people knew the name Radio Shack than knew the name Jimmy Carter. Yeah. So in America, so I mean, it was really a, a every neighborhood, strip mall, every mall, yeah, neighborhood electronic store. 1,500 to 2,000 square feet, had a tube tester in there. If you're trying to fix an old radio, mm-hmm. get your tubes tested. You could basically uh, buy any kind of uh, – well, CB radios were the were big mm-hmm. um, uh, back in the 70s. Then you had – Connectors, uh, adapters. 
all parts, those capacitors, parts, resistors. Yep. Hobbyists could find anything there. Yep. And uh, it was really a uh, demise of that uh, chain was, I mean, they, they were opening, they had more than McDonald's. They were opening a new store every business day when I wow. got there. Wow. That's how tremendously successful Radio Shack was in the day. And they went through changes too. Let's pause right there. We'll come right back to your experience at uh, Radio Shack, Tandy Corporation. You were there for 10 and a half years. But we'll come back after this break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Don Noakes. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. You can tell what's wrong with a car just by sitting next to it at a red light. You can tear down a big block engine in 26 minutes. You know cars. We can help you find more of them to work on. And together, we can get your small business moving in the right direction. At AT AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T. Rethink possible. Is your pet overweight, suffer from itchy skin and coat problems, showing signs of food allergies? Then do your pet a favor. Stop by Fiesta Pet Deli, South Florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets, prepared daily and FDA approved with products like Bravo, Nature's Variety, and BioComplete. Listen, dogs and cats are carnivores. 90% of their diet should be meat. That dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require. Veterinarian owned and operated, Fiesta Pet Deli has one mission, to get your pet as healthy as possible. Give them a call today at 954-971-2500 or come check out their new store at the Festival Flea Marketplace at Sample Road in the Turnpike in Pompano, Florida. They also offer free local delivery, shipping throughout the United states check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just google fiesta pet deli if you truly love your pet and care about their health stop by fiesta pet deli call today at 954-971-2500 hey this is kenny wayne shepherd and you're listening to w4cy radio Now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. On Noakes, president and co-founder of Net Synergy, IT managed services firm. Um, is that the term you'd use, managed services firm? Exactly, yes. Okay. Managed services provider. Provider. All right. We'll get to Net Synergy in a little bit, but I want to get back to Tandy, Radio Shack and Tandy, because you had quite a run there. You went from, uh, I, don't, I don't know what job you had at first, but you ended up as the regional manager 
which is a pretty big job. So talk about that rise through the organization. It was great. We basically I started in a mall store. So I was really just trying to augment my income uh, after my building materials boss had cut our pay by 10%. Mm-hmm. So I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'll, I'll just make that up and I'll go to work at a mall and sell, sell uh, radio, you know, computers. And ra- I was actually sell radios. Anyway, um, so I was really a part-time sales clerk until about uh, through the Christmas season. And then around January, February, after all the returns came back and retail sort of slowed down, yeah. I decided to just focus back on my uh, primary job. But then in April of 1981, they decided to close the building materials branch in Burlington mm. and ship everything out of Brattleboro. It's just the business had slowed so much because of the economy. It was terrible mm-hmm. at the time. So uh, I, I left and my boss at Radio Shack called me up and said, we're starting a computer department within the mall store and we want you to run it because you have the management experience. So I thought, well, what the heck? I had at the time a pretty good salary job, even though I'd taken a cut, that I could have transferred into another one of the locations for my uncle. But I thought, well, this might be a good time to take the cut. So I went for 505 an hour plus commission. And I went killing to sell, it, killing it. Yeah, went to sell Radio Shack computers. My wife was like, "Are you sure we can keep the mortgage going?" <laughs> but so anyway, did that. What was it? John Burroughs who once said, "Leap and a net will appear." Right. So uh, I took the leap, and um, we five hundred five an hour that first year. I actually doubled my salary from what I had made wow. uh, because the TRS eighty was hot. Uh, yeah. It was the first computer. It, it took a funny transition. I mean, most most products are expensive. They get into business, then they'll migrate into education, and then they'll get to the home. With the PC, it was sort of was a completely backward situation. Yeah. Um, people were buying this for their homes. It was a, a you know it was the first time they did a PC in, in a home, and then they would uh, education kind of picked up on it, and so you saw the schools buying the apples and the TRS-80s mm-hmm. and the Commodore mm-hmm. Pets. And then, of course, um, IBM came out in 1983 with the IBM PC, which sort of blessed the industry. It sort of said, okay, this is legitimate. Right. And uh, right. so then PCs made their way into businesses, much to the chagrin of the IT folks who had the big glass houses and the fake floors. And if you wanted to change in something, it took years you know, to get the software changed. Uh, with a PC, with a spreadsheet, and with a word processor, you could do so much, so so much more quickly, that uh, businesses started to adopt the, the product. Mm-hmm. You, Kevin, it's a lot of fun to take a product that's a specialty high margin item, and just follow it right over that curve to become a commodity low margin. It was quite a ride from really 1980 uh, until probably 1990 when uh, it just became a commodity item. What was the timing? Because I don't remember the dates there. What was the timing of Windows? Oh, boy. You know, Windows came Windows. out probably in the late uh, – it was probably late 80s. 80s. Okay. Well, Apple, of course, was out early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we used to sell against it. Radio Shack TRC was a black and white monitor that the Apple was a color. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they would sell the, the, the flashy color. And we were so we were trying to be the business. So I would say, what color do you want your payroll? And that's how I used to sell, yeah. sell around Apple. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a really heady time. It was really interesting. I remember sending out because I could do a word processing mail merge first time, you know, if we had this kind of technology, I sent out a word processing mail merge to the schools in Vermont because it, being in Burlington, Vermont, we covered the entire state, um, mm-hmm. you know, five hours away, we would be selling and uh, sent that letter out. And it was one of the most successful uh, sales campaigns I've ever had. Uh, I kept busy selling computers to schools for the next year and a half. 
wow. our our uh, our our store was uh, number seven out of like 500 in the country, and uh, you'd, you'd have K Street, Washington, New York City, Nine North Broadway, you know, Broadway, and then you had Little Burlington, Vermont. So from finally, one uh, mailing. From, from, well, that and, and the fact that I was campaign. I was twisting the rules a little bit. Um, you were supposed to you could take a, a retail store employee and bring them into your computer department. We both had P and Ls, which was, by the way, a great training ground. Uh, mm. If if you're out there working for someone and you can get involved, if you're young and you're thinking about business and you can get involved in looking at P and Ls and understanding what, what how they're tracking the business, that was a tremendous learning opportunity for me. Mm. Uh, so anyway, we had our own P and Ls. And what I would do is uh, we would labor transfer people from the retail store. I don't want to get too far into weeds in this, but it's a good story because what would happen is uh, you weren't only supposed to have one employee in the computer department. And I was breaking the rules. I was basically had two other 40-hour week employees working for me. We just couldn't keep up that were on the payroll of the retail store. But I would labor transfer them back through a process that Tandy had. So eventually somebody in Texas who never came up to uh, – yeah. which is where – Tandy was based, decided they had to come up to Burlington and see what's going on. And so I had to come clean and say, you know, we actually have, you know, more employees. And I thought for sure I'm fired. I'm going to get fired for breaking the rules. Uh, this guy went away, never said anything. Two months later, Tandy changed their policies. And now computer departments were allowed to have uh, extra employees. And, uh, you know, then they promoted me uh, to, to go on to uh, a larger computer center mm -hmm. in Springfield, Mass. Mm -hmm. And how, how many people did you end up managing as regional manager, your stores and or people? Well, there were 47 locations that I had, probably a couple hundred, 240, 250 people. But, you know, we had direct reports. We had uh, district yep. managers. We had, yep. uh, so it, it worked out very well. And we all had P&Ls. Everyone from the store manager to the district had a P&L to the region had a P&L. Um, you were paid based on what you produced. And that mm. really was key. Um, so it was very, very good learning ground for me. That sounds like I was going to ask, what, what was your key takeaway? That sounds like one of them at least. Well, you know, the, one of the, yes, absolutely. Understanding the business, understanding where the revenue comes from, understanding mm -hmm. where your profits and your expenses are and how to control them. Uh, I learned that there are two ways to make money. Sell more, you know, bring in more revenue mm -hmm. or keep your, you know, your expenses under control. And so you really need to be focused on, on both to be successful in my opinion. Great training ground to be a business owner. All right, so then you went um, about seven years, it looks like, at Core Business Technology, and you were brought on to create a network service division. Tell us about that company and role, what you offered, what the products were, you built a team, et cetera. Yes, it was really an interesting opportunity. I, got, I went there in uh, 93, actually, and uh, what we had was it was a copier company, and those owners of that copier company understood that in the near future, copiers were just going to be another node off of a, of a network. Mm -hmm. And so they understood they needed to really know networking early on so that as these devices became part of the network, they had some uh, background and they could have a competitive advantage. Again, that's, that's a good thinking long-term strategically about your business. It's really important to do all the time. And they were doing that. So they brought me in. I, uh, it was, I used to say it was me and a CNE in 93. CNE stood for... <laughs> certified network uh, engineer. And so they hired us both and they said, okay, let's, let's transition this thing. The idea was we were going to leverage the copier clients uh, and then 
get to do their networking work. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, in practice, it just didn't work out that way. We were out there looking for our own client base, and uh, it really the people that were buying copiers were the um, the buyers, were the, the, the purchasing agents. Mm-hmm. The people that were buying IT services was not the purchasing agents. So right. it, 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 while it may have looked good on paper that we were going to be able to build this networking division and call, call on the same people that um, the copier people already had relationships with, didn't work out that way. We ended up building up two, two separate organizations, and every once in a while, the twain would meet. I mean, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd end up uh, having a shared client. But um, it was just a matter of putting together the offering um, back then, it was really more of a uh, get to know the person that has a network, be the person they call first. You didn't mm-hmm. have this managed service ongoing relationship where you were monitoring and managing their system. Right. It was really just, hey, it broke, get in here. You know, And uh, everything was a hair on fire emergency, and it was really a, a, a different kind of business to get into. Um, the real trick was not taking so many clients on that you couldn't handle uh, the needs when, when they mm-hmm. had them. But you, so you had to juggle this bench. You didn't want them sitting there, and you didn't want them, uh, you know, working 80 hours a week either. So it was a real trick to get that together. But so we, you went from one at, uh, CNE or least network engineer to how many? Oh, we probably had uh, eight or ten engineers. Mm-hmm. I had probably seven or eight salespeople. Uh, we had technicians as well, a lower level uh, that would take care of just the sort of the desktop work. Um, but the engineers would do the architecting of the solutions, making sure that the firewalls were, you know, secure. And of course, as this timing went from '93 up, you started to see more and more of these opportunities for uh, security. I mean, as 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 the internet became really viable, that's when uh, you were connected to the whole outside world, and that's when you really had to tighten up your security to keep people out of your network. Mm-hmm. So cybersecurity, where in the early days. Uh, Networking computing was all about how to make things more efficient and how to uh, sort of uh, automate processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we got further along, it became uh, you, were, you didn't play offense anymore. You were playing defense. You had to worry about people getting into your network and getting a hold of the company data. So it really changed over the years. So you then, uh, let's see, you were director of sales and marketing at a company called Network Six, and then. You were a VP of networking at uh, Compoint, right? That seems like a more technical role. Combine those two. What would you say? Because uh, I want to get into your current venture, That's of course. Sure. Uh, that's Synergy. And so combine those two and kind of give us a quick story there and what your key takeaways from that time period were. Well, I, I guess, you know, the, the, the business was transitioning. I went to Network yeah. 6. We were doing, the, again, same break-fix technology services. Mm-hmm. But then the, the whole website web development thing came out you know in 2000 mm-hmm. everybody was doing websites and there was a lot of money in that you could put a website in for 15 20 25,000 dollars in mm-hmm. services and you could make pretty good margin on that because people didn't know how to do it and i love the old expression mystery equals margin right yeah so when yeah. not a lot of people know how to do something then and so that was that and then we went into compoint it was really uh back to the roots of it because it transitioned. I went there to do networking services, but the owner wanted to move it over to, to, to web development. Mm-hmm. And then I left there uh, as a little bit of fish out of water a bit for me. So I went back okay. to Compoint where I was then back in the, my roots, you know, back in network services and looking, calling on small to mid-sized businesses and trying to take over their network support. Okay. So you and a colleague, though, you got to a point. I want to know what this conversation sounded like and what this decision looked like. 
to venture out. Uh, I don't know if your wife got nerv- nervous again. Mine would have, um, yeah. even though I've done it a couple times. <laughs> uh, and you and a colleague decided to venture out on your own and you founded Net Synergy. So talk about that conversation and the decision. Well, what happened again? So I'm uh, just imagine I met, I met this one company, Network Six. They want to transition over into web development. Now I'm into this uh, com point where we're we're doing networking services. We probably built it up to sixty or seventy clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, and, and there was another gentleman in there that was doing uh, IBM AS four hundred. It was a larger de- system. He was doing the AS four hundred work, and uh, he hit on a deal. He hit on a deal that was uh, like a very large of uh, deal. And so we had these two sort of uh, businesses going on in this, in this comp point organization mm-hmm. when the owner said, we want to transition all the, the IBM AS 400. Let's forget about this little networking stuff. We want to go all here. Oops. So, and, and then, so here we were again, uh, or here I was again, uh, going from, you know, I wanted this role and it changed. I wanted this role and it changed. So um, my top sales guy uh, at the time, uh, both at core and then he left and I left at the same time. Mm-hmm. We both came back together at Compoint. We said, you know what? We just gotta, we've just got to do this on our own. So um, we sat down. We did a, a pro forma P&L. You know, we went through where would, our, where would our income come from? Where would mm-hmm. our expenses look like? How could we manage this? Um, fortunately for us, the uh, owner of Compoint didn't want those networking customers. Mm-hmm. So we really wow. were born on third base. I mean, we, we, we got to third base pretty quick. I mean, we, yeah. we had... We had that startup uh, client base. Now, not all all of them came with us. Um, you know, the, it's a couple of guys on their own versus mm-hmm. you know this Compoint organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, they didn't all come, but but it, it gave us a definitely a head start. And so um, we just went out and you called on these clients, and we just tried to put together a program that we thought they'd like, and kept our pricing where we needed to be. And it was all about service then. Uh, if someone called us at two in the morning to deliver a cable, we would have done it. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we were just doing whatever we needed to do to build a uh, reputation of high customer service. Hey, let's pause right there. I just realized the time. We're going to take our second break right here. We'll be back in just a couple of more minutes with Don Noakes, co-founder and president of Net Synergy. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. This is Johnny Three Tears from Hollywood Undead, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Be seen, be heard on the Internet's number one ranked radio station right here in West Palm Beach. What a way for your business to have a voice. Now is the time to advertise your business on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 for a deal you won't refuse. Again, that's 561-506-4031. Don't wait. Call now. This is Colt Ford, and you're listening to W4CY Radio.
Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries and all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now. Now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. With Don Noakes, president and co-founder of Net Synergy. And Don, finish those thoughts around um, the early, early days, the uh, foundation, the founding and foundation of the firm. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Well, so Net Synergy, Dan Sharlin and I, my business partner, who had been my top salesperson at uh, at both Core and at um, Compoint, mm-hmm. we had just decided that with all the shifts that were going on in the companies that we had uh, been involved with, that um, and, and you know, frankly, we really felt like we had a better way. We thought uh, we had a way that we could really provide for these clients, these small to mid-sized companies. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, you needed to have some IT expertise. But it was very expensive and not very practical to bring them on board uh, on your in, on your company's payroll, because you know the problem with uh, this kind of work is that the the variety of skills that you need to be able to do the job is really difficult for one person to mm-hmm. handle in a company. So you've got mm-hmm. 50 employees, 60 employees, and you've got. So we thought, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to get some really good IT engineers and technicians. We're going to bring them in, and we're going to have clients that we could sort of amortize the cost of that talent over a bunch of different companies, and so mm-hmm. that they and then they would only pay when they needed them, and that was really the concept of the company. And so, uh, you know, we've done this before. I, I always said, well, I was kind of a one-trick pony because from since 1980 to now, I was really uh, in that same IT support space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had worked for people who were very short-sighted, looking for the buck right then, and, and I did, didn't. We didn't like that. We wanted to be more of a long-term relationship-building uh, organization. So yeah. that's really where we wanted to go, and where we ended up going. Um, so, but we it had a large transition to it once we started the firm, and we were really just out there. Uh, we didn't do any advertising. We we had a lot. It was all referral-based. And um, fantastic. You know, one thing I, I have to just point out that it really struck me at the time we were doing this, when I would go into the, the companies and I would pitch to them and I would talk to them about um, the IT services that Core, the Compline, or my other employers, Tandy, would offer. Um, you know, and I trying to get to know them and, and work with them, it was it was good, and they they would give me business. But I saw the dynamic change when we owned the business. When I went back mm. to those same clients or the same prospects. And I said, oh yeah, this is Dan Sharon and I, we, we all, this is our company. It, it's, they were so helpful. They wanted to be so much more helpful. I don't know if you've ever found that to be, but when mm-hmm. you're the owner, you know, there, there seemed to be more openness, more willingness to help you. Yeah. They wanted you to succeed. Yeah. I can see that. And, and, and uh, it's assuming really they liked me. you and I'm sure they did. Yeah, and so that was really uh, powerful for me, that, that uh, people were really actually looking for ways wow. they could help me. And so they would refer us to other folks, and they would uh, – and actually, one of my customers, I called him my board of director. Um, he basically <laughs> – I would meet with him on a regular basis. Uh, he, he was a bank, probably 600 employees, 
we yep. had the contract at, at core. He did not want to come with me, and I counted him on on him and my uh, and my pro forma PNL. Yeah. I was going to get revenue from this source. Yeah. And uh, when I pitched him, he said, "What are you talking about? I can't take the bank's uh, total IT and put it in the hands of three people." You know, uh, you know, as we were as we were growing, and uh, so he he didn't. I was just shocked, but it made sense when he when he said it. it didn't make sense as I was doing my pro forma, but. Um, so anyway, he he would meet with us on a, probably every other month, and we would tell him where we were. He was a COO and a CFO of a bank, so mm-hmm. he was really helpful in helping us sort of. Uh, you know, and that's one other tip I would say is, uh, if you're thinking about business or if you're in a, a small business and you're just getting it growing, look to people who really know what they're doing. Look for yeah. these experts out there. They want to help you. They're avail- They they really like to share their expertise and their knowledge, and uh, uh, they become fantastic resources as you grow and, and to know where, where to turn, what, what to look out for. They're very, very helpful, and he that's, was. That's great advice. Hey, you said there's a story behind the name Net Synergy. Yeah. Well, basically, we, you know, synergy is a great word. You know, it's that, uh, that the sum of the parts is mm-hmm. great. And so one of the things that uh, my partner and I really felt very strongly about was that you know, we wanted to, it wasn't just about providing a service. We wanted to really work with the organization, help them transition to more digital transformation, help mm-hmm. them really utilize technology. So many people buy equipment and, and software, and they only use a small percentage of what the products can do. Mm-hmm. So we thought, if we understand what your needs are, and you, we, and uh, you know what to, how to describe what you need and how your business is working, and we can understand technology. We can have this synergistic approach to it. So it was going to be called Net Synergy. Unfortunately, uh, the Secretary of State at Rhode Island at the time thought that the name Synergy, which had already been taken as a company by itself, just the word Synergy, thought Net Synergy might cause some confusion and uh, didn't allow <laughs> us to take the name. But we really liked the way it sounded, the way it kind yeah. of set, slipped yeah. off the tongue. Uh, so we went with net synergy, and um, for the last 17 years, we've tried to explain to people that we uh, don't provide any electricity. <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. we tried to play off of it with a tagline, and we said powering IT solutions as a way to kind of – I kind of like that. I actually do like energy. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but um, – Making anyway, lemonade. That move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so, with a name like net synergy, you have to spell it <laughs> for, yeah. for everyone. N-E-T-C-E-N-E-R-G-Y for the audience, right? So let me ask a couple quick questions. Was it risky starting the business and how did you fund it? Well, this is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, we, I had, I had, I was 47 years old. I had two kids in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not have a huge nest egg, nor do I have, you know, rich parents or or a place really to go. Trust fund, huh? <laughs> I didn't. I'm not a trust fund. I was born with yeah. a plastic spoon in my mouth, uh, Kevin. <laughs> so, so what what we ended up doing was, um, I, and of course, when you work for other people, there are a lot of things that you had to deal with as sort of what I called myself an entrepreneur. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was helping build businesses, but within someone else's. So, right. but I never dealt with cash flow. I never dealt with banking relationships, and those were the two things that I was extremely concerned about. Mm. If you talk to anybody. Uh, in business, they'll tell you that cash flow is really one of the key things you have to keep your your eyes on, and you have to really understand how this works. So, I felt like I didn't. I worked for people. I didn't have to worry about cash flow. Mm-hmm. I worried about a lot of things, but not cash flow. So, what we did was we created a um, an annual contract agreement 
we would take and really reduce our prices if someone paid up front for an annual contract. Is this the new model you're referring to? Nope, this was actually nope. a little okay. before that model because okay. what we wanted, okay. we wanted the year's worth. We were, and we wanted to sell time blocks. So our rates were $120 an hour. I'll tell you what, Mr. Customer, give me $5,000 and we'll work that time block off at $100 an hour for the same talent other mm-hmm. people are paying $120 an hour for. So what that did was that got us cash. Uh, the first contract we sold was $16,000 annual contract to a company. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, Kevin, that's basically funded the, the business as we started up. Interesting. So uh, You, know, you had to be very to disciplined with that cash, though. Uh, it was, yes, we had to be very careful. And, yeah. and we were just very fortunate that th- after that, the time block came in for 5000 This came in, that came mm-hmm. in. We, we did projects. Uh, we were very careful about uh, our receivables. We, you could buy product from HP Direct, or you could buy product through us, and we'd buy from a distributor. In those early days, we opted to have our clients buy from HP Direct, where we would get a kickback, uh, you know, uh, fee, you know, a commission fee, but we didn't have to carry the receivables. We didn't have to worry about late payments. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there were there was a places to, to go to find this kind of opportunity with the, 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 the funding, you know, buying directly from HP that saved us having to shell that kind of money out and, and go through that money quickly. So that's how we started up. I put $100 in a, in a checking account at Citizens Bank, opened up the, the business name and uh, at the Secretary of State's office. And uh, we were on our way, so it was uh, it was a really fun time. But it was a lot of macaroni and cheese. Oh, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's worth it, right? It was worth it. It probably still is worth it. Um, tell us about the firm. I know you work with uh, professional services, CPAs, law firms, CPA firms, law firms, wealth management firms, healthcare. Can you describe? Is there a better description of an ideal or typical client? And does geography matter? Well, you know, we, we've always made geography an issue. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of companies that will nationally provide you with a, with a managed service plan. Mm-hmm. But part of our program, uh, up until COVID at least, was that we would be in your place every month because there are things you can see physically that you mm-hmm. can't see from trying to support you remotely. So we felt that a significant differential for our company was that we would show up, that we were, you know, on site. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, of course, go on site because there are some things that can't be fixed remotely. Uh, but as far as our um, proactive, you know, just going in just to make sure things that, that the UPS isn't too dusty and that, you know, uh, yeah. the, the, the doors aren't shutting and keep your server secure, whatever. We, we, we don't do those as often, but we will get back to that. We think that's a, so we, to answer your question, we try to stay within a, 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 an area that our engineers can get to. So mm-hmm. an hour and a half radius from Cranston is really what we look at, which covers an awful lot of, of um, you know, population. You get into Connecticut then. We do. Yeah. We have some very good clients in Connecticut, some, uh, you know, that, that have done great great work with us. We also do a lot of work with uh, the cable installers in, in Rhode Island, the uh, Cox Communications. Oh, yeah. yeah. If anyone hi- orders high-speed internet service uh, from them, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's, uh, it's that's energy with a, you know, with a right shirt on that, that goes in and installs these uh, high-speed fiber network switches. We mm-hmm. tie them into the, to the, uh, the fiber ring. Mm-hmm. And so we have engineers and technicians that do that work as well. And that's been a great relationship with Cox. They're a great so that's a, a little different than most managed service providers. Yeah, that's it's, a little it's more another, you know, upstream, if you will. Yeah, and it's, a, it's another sort of uh, 
leg on the stool. You know, mm-hmm. so we have our managed service providers. We have this infrastructure work that we do for Cox. But because of that skill, we're we're a little rare in that we do all of our own data cabling. So we have we're state licensed, so we can do data cabling. And I would um, say that is rare. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you so you know you just need that other drop. You know, Judy's moving her desk. You know, our engineers, our techs can go in and take care of that. Uh, for you without having to go through a, a big hub. Why does that require licensure to run cable? That is a very good question. Is my it a security answer, thing? My okay. cynical answer would be revenue for the state. Yeah. <laughs> okay? yeah. uh, but, but, you know, seriously, it's a low-voltage cable. And I, mm-hmm. I tell people, you know, you could put this in your mouth and jump in a pool of water, and you're not going to get hurt. It's five volts, you know. So uh, it's like a doorbell wire. Yeah. But for some reason, um, uh, you know, there was a big fight with the – electric companies and electrical contractors and you know um they wanted to make sure that these were being done right but it's not electricity but i I really can't answer the question except that uh, it was something that the states put in rhode island was the first in the nation to require uh, data cabling uh, licensing but now it's become more and more common hey we've got two minutes left there are two questions i want to be sure i asked um what's what is a your best advice to someone in business, whether they're starting out or, or running a business and what the second unrelated, but what IT changes or trends do you see coming? Okay. First of all, when it comes to starting a business, you really need to surround yourself. I uh, surround yourself yeah. with, with people, with, with professionals that know how to get things done and will work with you. Pick that good CPA, pick that, you know, right th- with th- you, you know, that has to happen. Um, and then as far as what I see happening in, in uh, technology, uh, our, in our business, we have reduced we, – we're no longer trying to boil the ocean. We don't want to have 100 million customers. We want to mm-hmm. have engaged customers that we can help transition. I think what you're going to see going forward is people really leveraging automation, really making sure that the processes that they have in place make sense. It's as mm-hmm. efficient as it can be because you'll save your uh, – you'll save money. You will provide better customer service, and uh, you really need to make sure you're leveraging the investment you've already made in technology. I think that's what's going to be happening over the next few years. And for the provider, you avoid churn. You have stickier clients who value you rather than, you know, the next guy that's going to come along for a few bucks less per hour. That's correct, right? Yeah. It becomes you become really their IT team. Mm. You become really part of the organization. That's fantastic. Listen, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be on. I really appreciate it. And this has been good. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I I as well. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This is a show about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Winning Business Radio, or you can drop me a note, Kevin at WinningBusinessRadio.com. Our company, Winning Incorporated, part of Sandler training, we develop sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. We're not right for everybody, but maybe we should have a conversation. Thank you, as always, to my favorite engineer, Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday, November 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern, when my guest will be marketing expert Keith Loris, CEO of Sales Renewal Corporation. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan. 
You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.